Welcome to the Myth-Busting Lung Cancer Screening Podcast Series, hosted by Dr. Debbie Dyer. This podcast is brought to you by the American College of Radiology and the National Lung Cancer Roundtable. Hello and welcome to the Myth-Busting Lung Cancer Screening Podcast Series for Lung Cancer Awareness Month. My name is Dr. Debbie Dyer and I'm a thoracic radiologist at National Jewish Health in Denver, Colorado. This November, I'm going to be speaking to a variety of guests about the myths surrounding lung cancer screening, ranging from radiologists to pulmonologists to patients themselves. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Patricia Rivera, Professor of Medicine in the Division of Pulmonary Diseases and Critical Care Medicine at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. She currently serves as co-director of the Multidisciplinary Thoracic Oncology Program and director of the Lung Cancer Screening Program at UNC. Patricia is a member of the National Lung Cancer Roundtable and serves as vice chair of task forces for lung cancer in women and for biomarkers. So Patricia, it's wonderful to have you here with us. Thank you so much, thank you. Sure, I am curious because I know of your great experience What disparities do you see in lung cancer screening that affects eligibility criteria or access to lung cancer screening for patients? Uh, Thank you, Debbie. Excellent question. As you know, in the United States, lung cancer incidence and mortality rates vary by race, ethnicity, sex, and socioeconomic status. And we know that lung cancer screening saves lives. And actually, the mortality reduction has been more favorable in African-Americans. That was a subset analysis of the NLST and recent data from the Nelson trial and even from the NLST suggests that uh, mortality benefit is more beneficial in women. But the current USPSTF, that is the 2013 screening guidelines, which are based on age, duration of smoking history, and quit history really don't align well with certain groups of individuals who are at higher risk. And because there are differences in particularly smoking behavior based on race, ethnicity, and differences, sex-based differences in smoking behavior, as well as in individuals in low socioeconomic communities, we there is a lot of data to support that the current guidelines leave out high-risk individuals. An issue with access to care, of course, is a major issue in our, in our country. This notion of the inverse care law, where the services are often available in the areas that don't need it as much. And that has been shown to be the case with lung cancer screening in terms of available programs. So in areas where populations have higher African-Americans, Hispanics, individuals of low socioeconomic status, the southeastern United States are areas that are less robust, if you will, when it comes to lung cancer screening programs, creating a significant barrier for high-risk individuals to be able to get to appropriate screening centers. Oh, yes. How true and how concerning that truly we're perhaps not reaching the folks that we most importantly need to reach. What strategies do you think we could employ to 
decrease the barriers and the disparity? Do you have any thoughts or suggestions? Absolutely. A group of, a multidisciplinary group of individuals who are really focused on disparities and in lung cancer screening implementation, recently put together a policy statement for the American Thoracic Society where we addressed the multiple barriers that exist at all the different levels because it's at the patient level, it's at the provider level, it's at the healthcare system level, and strategies that potentially can be deployed to to assist in minimizing these disparities. And when we think about eligibility, again, the current USPSTF guidelines really don't align well with certain groups of individuals, particularly African-Americans, HIV patients who are living with HIV disease are at higher risk for lung cancer. They were not enrolled in the NLST. So we proposed a strategy where not only utilizing guidelines, but risk assessment and using risk prediction models to sort of augment the ability to identify individuals who may not be eligible because they don't smoke as much. We know that is the case, for example, in African-Americans. They have a higher risk for lung cancer at an earlier age, yet they smoke less than whites. The same is true for women. So the combination of existing guidelines augmented perhaps by risk prediction and risk assessment can potentially help identify higher risk individuals who will benefit from lung cancer screening. And have you been able to apply these ideas to your own program at UNC? Yes, I utilize the USPSTF criteria for patient selection. But when I see a patient in the lung cancer screening clinic, I conduct through shared decision-making a risk assessment using a risk prediction model that allows me to explain to the individual what their risk of lung cancer may be in the next six years. And if individuals don't meet criteria for screening because they're too young or because they don't meet the 30-pack year smoking history, or perhaps they quit smoking 16 years ago as opposed to 15, yet their risk is greater than the threshold we believe to be high risk, that is 1.3%. I counsel patients about lung cancer screening, and I work with the insurance companies and with Medicare to try to get the lung cancer screening test paid for and approved. We don't want patients to be burdened with the cost of screening that their insurance companies will not pay for. It's a challenge, but it's doable. And we're hoping that I think many of us, not just myself, who are involved in lung cancer screening implementation, that we will evolve into a practice of utilizing not just uh, guidelines, which are very important, but also a risk assessment to really help us augment and identify individuals who will benefit from this very important intervention. Oh, that is so important. And Wow, to your credit for doing that more advanced risk assessment that many of us are thinking we could use something more sophisticated than just pack years and age and so forth. So it's really encouraging to hear that you've been doing that with your program. Well, thank you so much, Patricia. It's good, but it's been good chatting with you today. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. This podcast is brought to you by the American College of Radiology and the National Lung Cancer Roundtable. 